Welcome to Freedom Matters Today. This is week 10, part 3 of our series, Freedom from Fascism, a Christian Response to Mass Formation Psychosis. I am Michael J. Sutton. The theme for this week is Mass Formation Psychosis and Religion. Why are the churches lying about taxation? The question for today's podcast is, is the church a place or a group of people? Is the church a place or a group of people? This is a question that has caused a lot of trouble in the history of Christianity in the West and in the East. The phrase, my family and I go to church, is a common way of speaking. It is not, however, a biblical statement. All Christians are brothers and sisters in Christ. Their identity is in Jesus. This bond is not inferior to blood. It is superior because it is eternal. Church is a place because that is what church means in English. This bizarre mistranslation has caused havoc to faith. But the biblical term of assembly or gathering simply means a gathering of people who meet to encourage one another in prayer and testimony. We should forget Big Pharma. The churches are involved in regulatory capture. Their position in politics is secure thanks to cronies and party structures and decades of neglect within the state. In Australia, America, Canada and New Zealand, the Christian Church has managed to effectively capture the state in terms of undue and disproportionate political and economic clout. This mirrors the power and influence of, say, the alleged behaviour of pharmaceutical companies in recent years, or the entrenched power of the military-industrial complex. Call it rent-seeking, regulatory capture, or simply old-fashioned political cronyism, the Christian Church behaves in an entitled, arrogant fashion, expecting special treatment, a blind eye to its many failings, as well as its many massive economic privileges. But church privileges are out of touch with a secular society. Christian churches continue to enjoy privileged positions in society. These positions also sit uncomfortably with societies that are ostensibly multi-ethnic and multi-religious. The status of the Christian church is also more precarious due to economic pressures in recent years. The high growth period of previous generations is over. Now is the time for nations to be careful with their spending and having a greater awareness of inflation and the cost of living. The churches pay little or next to nothing in taxation and are always begging for more assistance as well. They also plead special exemptions for their position in society. The church tax dodge is also a form of mass formation psychosis. As we have established in this series, the Christian church run by Christian fascists has functioned in much the same way as the secular state. Indeed, given its longevity in history, it was the model for fascists everywhere on how to run a nation. It was simply a case of applying the principles left behind by Christian fascism. The recent discussion of mass formation psychosis is simply another way of considering the power and influence of propaganda in a modern society. It is ubiquitous and pervasive. This mass formation is certainly seen in COVID hysteria, the Ukraine war and the war on terror. But these three examples are insignificant compared to the power of the mass 
to delude billions over the centuries. It is entirely without any biblical basis. It was invented by the churches centuries after the New Testament to enshrine political and clerical power. The Mass is the central mechanism or ritual for mass formation psychosis in the Christian churches, especially traditional churches. It is a point of hypnosis, especially the elevation of the elements. People are entranced. There is mass delusion about the fictitious mystery of faith. The ritual distracts from Jesus Christ, his death on the cross, what it achieved and why it is significant. More importantly, the Bible remains closed because the Mass is found nowhere in the Scriptures. The Mass has deluded people of faith for centuries. It still does. The interesting thing about religious rituals that distract from Jesus Christ and Christianity is that most people do not notice. There are many who do, and several popular movements have spread over the years in response to the hideous delusion that this ritual has engendered. These movements place an emphasis on personal piety and faith, the Christian walk, a personal devotion to prayer and Bible reading, acts of charity to others, and a careful, considered life. If you go to a Christian bookshop, you will find that most of the books are written by these men and women who have stood against church power and abuse, whose lives inspired others and continue to inspire today. These men and women also have one thing in common. Almost all of them were persecuted by the church. The church tax dodge is also mass formation psychosis. The mass is not the only deceptive delusion in the church. There are many. These are not the conspiracies of fiction like secret rooms under Vatican City or ancient mystical orders. There are lots of conspiracies around secret books of the Bible or hidden messages. They're all rather sensational and boring at the same time. They make for good reading in novels or exciting plots and movies, and most of them are intuitively nonsensical. These ridiculous stories enable the Christian church to deflect criticism away from the things it wants to keep quiet. The main one is taxation. The tax issue is in plain sight. Most priests, ministers or pastors preach on the importance of their congregations to pay tax. They even invoke scripture to prove their case. They, however, pay no tax and hide behind the church tax wall. Why is that? Why preach to others what they themselves do not do? This is what the Bible calls hypocrisy. Priests could, for example, encourage their congregations to minimise their taxes or create arrangements in the law to ensure lower tax rates or get a good accountant. I've never heard a sermon telling me these practical details. I have often heard sermons, however, on Jesus saying to give to Caesar what belongs to him and the importance of obeying the law and paying tax individually. Churches boast about their tax status regularly and they laugh all the way to the bank. The Christian churches are the modern versions of the synagogues. The Christian fascists who run all the churches like the Pharisees of the New Testament have created their own system that corrupts God's word. The law of Moses was good. It served a function. It was God-ordained. The Pharisees added to it. They burdened people with thousands of regulations and extra rules. The Pharisees created the synagogues, which were allegedly the places where the law was discussed in the towns of Israel. The proper place was the home and the temple. 
Nowhere in the Hebrew Bible were the synagogues proposed or suggested or mandated. People think that they're part of the Old Testament. They're not. They are probably a product of Jewish nationalism in connection with the Hellenization of Israel, in other words, the growing impact of Greek culture, ideas and values. Christian fascists in the churches today behave in the same way. The word church, as it is linguistically understood, is not found in the New Testament. It is a mistranslation, but not in the normal usage, but it is applying to the Bible a meaning that is not, not found in the Scriptures. So the word church is not found in the New Testament. It is applying to the Bible a meaning that is not found in the Scriptures. Christian fascists also use the Greek word presbyter to mean priest. It does not. There is no possible connection between the Greek word presbyter and priest. In fact, the Greek word priest is found in the New Testament, and that means, not surprisingly, priest in every use of the word. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and also verse 5, Peter says all Christians, all Christians are priests. This means that all the priests in the church are fake priests. They're not priests, certainly not in any biblical sense of the New Testament. And the book of Hebrews highlights the fact that the Lord Jesus Christ is the great high priest and no one can take his place. Church, in, church means a place, a house of God. The only house of God in the Bible is the temple in the Old Testament. Jesus overturned the temple through his death and resurrection. The Bible clearly says in the New Testament that the temple was made null and void in terms of its efficacy to bring about repentance and salvation. The writer to the Hebrews makes the point that those who reject the atonement of Christ and seek to find solace in the temple once more after the atonement will find no forgiveness there, only a curse. Indeed, Hebrews places the strongest condemnation of the temple cult than in any other book of the New Testament. Is the church a place? The word church means a house or a place, and the biblical word assembly, ecclesia, means a group of people. The confusion is that, strictly speaking, the church is a place, a house, an actual building, but this word is not found in the New Testament, in Greek. The words to describe churches are usually assemblies, or assembly, meaning a group of people gathered. There is no evidence that there were any churches in the New Testament, that is, church buildings. But they, there may have been places Christians gathered to, play, to pray and encourage one another. Acts 2, verse 46 records, Every day they, the disciples, continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. The word for church in English is difficult to ascertain, but it seems to have come from the medieval Greek word which means house of God or a building. This Greek word is not used at all in the New Testament. This means that translators have mistranslated the word for centuries. The reason they've done that is obvious. It's about power, money and control. The common Greek word for church is ecclesia, which does not mean church or building, but simply assembly. This is the meaning the way this is the meaning of the way the word is used in the New Testament. Another word in Greek comes from the word synagogue, which means, not surprisingly, to gather. The New Testament is very clear. The early gatherings, 
and assemblies of Christians were simply people meeting together to pray, study the scriptures and encourage one another. In fact, meeting together to encourage one another was central. 1 Thessalonians 5.11, Acts 11.23, Acts 15.32, Acts 16.40, Acts 20 verse 2, Romans 1 verse 12, Romans 15 verses 4 to 5, 2 Corinthians 13.11 and Colossians 2.2. Meeting together to encourage one another to grow in the Christian faith was central. The association of Christianity with the physical church as a place and a building was much later, once the state began to control Christianity and bend it to its political will. The rest, they say, is history. Freedom matters today because you matter to God. Thank you for listening to this podcast. You can read today's podcast on our blog at freedommatterstoday.com and listen to all the earlier episodes of Freedom from Fascism. Join me tomorrow for another episode of Freedom Matters Today.